We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The league presents Electric People. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Electric People. We have got Devin Arp on the line today. What's up, Devin? Yo, what's up, guys? How you what's doing, up, Dave? What's up, man? So Devin is the current director of sales for NorCal. Devin's got 15 years in the direct sales industry. Dev, does that make you feel old? 15 yes, it years? does. That's a long time, dude. I remember we had Todd Peterson on last week, and I remember when Todd used to say, I've been doing this for 20 years. I, that didn't even register, and that's like where you're at. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, Devin, dog, Devin is a world citizen and a world traveler um, and a born seller. So spanned everything from the hot tub industry Dev, remember when you gave me an opinion on which hot tub to buy like way back in the day? It was like 2007. <laughs> you were my hot tub consultant. Uh, everybody, needs a, everybody needs a hot tub guy. That's the thing. <laughs> Got to have a guy for that, man. Yeah. Um, and then Devin uh, transitioned over to Vivint Inc., sold at Vivint Inc. for 12 years. Here's a stat, Adam, that I don't know if you know, but every year that Devin was at Vivint, he personally installed over 200 accounts. That's 12 years, dude. 12 years of 200. Like, the problem is the context, guys just don't understand how, how crazy, consistent, and good that is. So, um, I mean, 200 used to be, like when I first started, which about the same time as you, Devin, 200 was the benchmark. And for you to do it 12 times is pretty cool. So I'm actually excited to get into a little bit later on in the podcast, how you've maintained that level of consistency, how you've been able to manage to keep your motor so high. And uh, this is going to be a good one. So guys are going to, guys are going to be really excited to hear what you got to say. Hey, thanks guys. Yeah. I think, I think the fun part of that too, is it wasn't just personal sales. I mean, Devin managed over 25,000 alarm accounts in his time in security transition to Vivint Solar uh, three years ago. Dev, you just had your three year like anniversary, like right at the beginning of April, pretty much. That's right. So three years, three different markets, TO, South Bay, Sacramento, a franchise member, and uh, personally installed over 400 counts, 432 is your count as of today, 2.3 megawatts. He runs a band or a region that does over 600 installs a quarter. You guys are pacing for 660 right now. Devin, you have quickly become a staple in this industry, my man. Hey, thanks, Ty. Stoked on it. Adam, I also don't know if you know this well-known fact about Devin, but this is what I want to start with. Devin holds another record, and he holds the record for getting a sale with the most dudes in tow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I got some, uh, I got a video and a uh, picture of it as well. I need to see that dude. So tell us the story of shadowing. I've heard the number was seven. That's Did correct. Well, including me. So like me and six others. But others. these weren't like six guys, like, like shaped, like I weighed myself today. I'm 160 pounds. You had a, you had a slew of, of good sized Polynesian brothers behind you. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> including my bro. And he's How, who's not listening to that though. I feel like that's, I feel like that's not as great of an accomplishment as you're making it sound, Ty. Like, who's not going to listen to that? Like, uh, football team shows up at your door. <laughs> guys, like, yes, you have my attention. I'm listening. <laughs> well, uh, tell the story, Devin, because it was strategic. Well, 
Yeah, it was strategic because it was a little by accident. We uh, we were knocking in. We we had you know obviously experienced guys set up for these guys to shadow, but the way that the licensing played out and getting our permits on time and all that stuff, you know, when you're doing that preseason knocking, it just didn't play out right. So I had a van full of guys and no one else to shadow. So I'm like, Hey, let's just try this. Let's just hop out and everyone can shadow me. We'll give it a few doors here. So we hopped out and, um, we, what we did was we had one person behind me so they could hear it. One person, like maybe three or four feet behind that guy, he could also hear it. And then we had about four people around the corner, just like, you know, <laughs> out, out, of view, out of you. So uh, two people could hear the pitch at, at all times. The other four were kind of like out there. And then anyway, I pitched this guy and he was like, yeah, yeah, come on in. I'm like, all right, cool. I just have a couple guys in training and he just, he turns around and sees the two guys. I'm like, they're just going to commit to, he's like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'm like, all right, come on in guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody started coming in and he goes, Ooh, wait, all these guys I'm like, oh yeah, they're just in training. So, um, here's your, uh, <laughs> having to shuffle by everybody. Wasn't yeah. that in Nevada? Wasn't it in like Sparks, Nevada? Dude, it was. So that's crazy that you have that memory, man. I told you that a long time ago. Well, that's because that was your spot. You, your group kind of owned that spot. No one else was really allowed to sell in Sparks, Nevada, if they didn't want to trip all over your sales everywhere. <laughs> the coolest that. part about that story that I like is that I think most managers, like all of a sudden, a couple of the other, you know, guys that were supposed to take guys out flaked on them. They would probably just either send a couple of them home or like tell them to go knock on their own, or they would. Or they would just say, hey, you know, guys, sorry, it fell apart tonight. Let's circle back another day. <laughs> but you're like, well, this is the hand I'm dealt. Let's go. Let's roll. And you just uh, made lemonade out of lemons. So we cool. tried our best. The funniest part, though, is once we got to the final, like, sit down and we're, we all sat down at the dinner <laughs> table. <laughs> <laughs> we filled up every seat on his dinner table. We're like, all right, so let's change that. <laughs> like, they all take their shoes off? Like, how did that, I mean... Yeah, actually, we didn't even take our shoes off. That was that was our bad. Now, so you're funny. rolling around, you're like, hey, let me show you your back door, and all six dudes are just trailing you. Just They're just trailing, man. Just trailing. So when you, like, you jiggle the back door, did they all six take a turn? <laughs> no. Like, <jiggling? laughs> no, 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 they were watching. They were watching. They were soaking. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Oh, I love that, dude. That's seriously one of my favorite stories. And then honestly, like Adam was saying, it tells, it tells something about you. Like we'll get to this in a little bit, but Arp just gets it done and keeps it simple and he just gets it, gets it done. So I think it, I think it goes to show too, that it was winter time, if I'm not mistaken, in Sparks, Nevada. So it's like dark at five, freezing cold, just making it happen, man. If you've never done a preseason trip in the winter where you're taking untrained people with you, man, that's just, that's the heart of doing uncomfortable things, huh? When you could be doing 100%. anything else. <laughs> so true. So you started in 2003 and you're in Pinnacle um, and you've always worked with Jason Brown, one of your mentors um, in the alarm industry. But how did, how did you get started in, in the door-to-door industry? Well, I was actually uh, doing phone sales uh, when I ran into the first person that was knocking doors, um, a guy uh, Matt Pitts, but I got introduced to Matt from Alone Fanua. Uh, I don't know if, if you remember him. I remember Alone. I remember his Hummer. Yeah. Like a yeah. micro machine style, big wheeled Hummer back That's in the it, day. That's it, dude. That's it. Yeah. 
So anyway, he, he told me about this summer gig and he was like, Hey man, I'm looking at doing this summer thing. And the guy I talked to said he made like $40,000 last summer. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, there's no way that's false. People don't make $40,000 in the summer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. And didn't even think anything of it. He told me a little bit more about it at the end of like hanging out. He's like, Hey, I'm actually going to see like they do a, like a presentation on this thing tomorrow. And I guess they got food and stuff. You just want to roll. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll roll. So we went up, heard him out. Uh, Jeremy Miner was like the the speaker talking about his 200 plus accounts that summer or whatever. And then they showed the pay scale. And I was like, no way. People don't get paid that. There's no way that happens in a summer. I was adding up my my summer earnings. I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd at least make 5,000 bucks if I stay home. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. So um, anyway, I went to this thing and they broke us up into groups and they started doing some trainings and I was listening to people do it that knew how to do it. I'm like, that doesn't seem that hard. Um, so I remember leaving that event thinking maybe I should try that. I mean, what's the worst case scenario here? Um, I remember calling my dad and saying, Hey, should I try this? And he's like, well, you're not married. You don't have anything else going on. Like, why not? What happens? You don't, doesn't work out. You just come back. I'm sure this phone sales job will take you back. So ended up giving it a shot. And, uh, you know, summer turned out obviously awesome. And uh, it's been great knocking doors ever since. That's great, man. Did you have, did you have plans of doing anything else when you were starting college? I mean, what was kind of your... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Got rolling. I mean, what? I mean, obviously, your current career with door to door, and you know, obviously, summer sales probably derailed that a little bit as you started picking up steam, and then it's evolved into what it is today with solar. But what was your plan before? You know, door to door kind of derailed your uh, your previous plans. Well, man, I, I had the talk with my dad. I think everyone's kind of had that talk where he's like, "All right, man." My dad's like numbers guy, so. He'll pull out the whiteboard. This is what it would be like, you know, if you graduate college and then this is what average people make when they get out of college. And here it is over a 20, 30 year span. And this is if you just go into some entry level job and I'm like, all right, so college is better. I see that. I see your graph. College looks way better. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I remember like, all right, man, so I got to go to college and get a degree. Fine. Let's, uh, let's, let's pick one of these things. So I was going to school when, when that happened. And uh, ran into the opportunity. Even after that first summer, I mean, that first day knocking doors like rocked me, dude. I remember just knocking doors, and uh, the whole first day I didn't get a sale. Um, it was I don't know seven o'clock where I'm waiting for my manager to pick me up. Eight o'clock, I, I don't remember. It's dark. What market? And, uh, Puerto Rico. Oh, you're in Puerto Rico. That's right. Yep, yep for summer PR. So I'm waiting for my ride to pick me up and I called my dad and I was like testing the waters cause I didn't even have money to fly home. Like I flew <laughs> out there on my last, my last 300 bucks, you know, all in, so I'm all in dude. And uh, <laughs> so I called my dad. I'm like, he's like, how's it going, man? I'm like, well, um, you know, it's a little different than I expected. It's tough. Honestly, I'm not sure it's for me. I started feeling him out to see if he was going to let me like come back, you know, and help pay for my ticket home. And, uh, I mean, I just remember him telling me like, look, man, I mean, I'm not going to help you. Like you, you went out there, you said it was four months, just give it the four months and see what happens. At the end of the four months, if you didn't make any money, I'll, I'll fly you back home. 
And I, I remember thinking, dude, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, I just knocked a full day, got my trash kicked, and I felt like there was no sympathy. Um, but then when I hung up the phone, I just remember being like, okay, he's right, dude. It's four months. I can do almost anything for four months. So let me just give this a shot. Car had picked me up. I knocked that one last door, and I got in. And then I remember calling my manager and being like, dude, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I'm inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as my training goes. As far goes. as I've thought it through, like, I'm in the house. <laughs> He's like, do you, do you have the agreements on you? I'm like, yeah, I've never seen an agreement. What do you mean? He's like, okay, I'll, I'll come over. Just tell him. Hey, so for anyone listening that thinks that their training hasn't been sufficient, at least you weren't in Puerto Rico on your last dime with training that stopped at the doorstep, right? That's correct. That's how it That's was, it. though. I, I still remember my first couple door approaches in security, and I still remember my first couple door approaches. I remember the clothes I was wearing. I remember the streets I was on, and I remember like how it felt coming out in solar. It's just, it's formative, man. That's something that I think people in this industry, it's unique to us, right? It really is. It's like, until you've been a hundred, maybe stand-up comedians know the same thing where it is you and you're out there and you're just either you perform or you don't, but it's on you. You know what I mean? We are so vulnerable in that moment. And I, I was just thinking about, I mean, hearing you guys talk about it, I was living in uh, Cedar city going to school and my manager was living in Rexburg call uh, a kid from my, my LDS mission had recruited me and he sent me, I wanted to go knock, but um, I was working for pinnacle and they didn't serve a Cedar city. And he didn't tell me that by the way. And um, I'm like, Hey, send me some contracts. I want to go knock and go rally some deals, you know? And um, he sent me photocopied paperwork. <laughs> so sounds and legit. And I didn't even think anything of it. Like he sent me photocopied paperwork and I was like, sweet. Like, I guess I got my stuff. I'll go sell. <laughs> I, 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 I had like an 80 T shirt or any, I just wear a white polo and um, I stole an ADT sign from someone's house and took the sign and put it in a binder. And uh, that was my, uh, my binder and down in Cedar City, Utah, getting rolling. So, so yeah. Awesome. It was, you uh, weren't like sitting on the curb saying, my Neo's not working. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, we've come a little ways, so it's been fun. Oh, yeah. hundred um, percent. But that's, that's cool. I, I was going to – I was just thinking about your – your first summer, how many accounts did you sell your first summer? And then what was that turning point for you when you actually realized this is going to be something that you can do? Yeah. Um, I ended that summer with 152, 53 accounts, uh, which is amazing summer. by the way, by the way, for a first summer. Yeah, it was, it was a really good summer. And I, I remember, um, when that first week went through the first day, I'm like, dude, there's no way I can do this. I got the one It gave me like the hope. Um, then at the end of that week, my first week I had like six accounts and I'm thinking, Hey, uh, there's a lot of people in this office that don't have six accounts. Like, uh, I guess it could be worse. Right. Uh, but I was going into the next week off of a Saturday where I just installed like two or three. So I felt like pretty good. Um, then May started. And at the end of May, I had 52 accounts on the month. And I remember they took me out like to dinner when I hit 50 that month. And I, that's when I started thinking, Hey, I could do this. Like I'm, I'm actually okay at selling these things. Um, coming home from the summer, obviously you, you always think there's no way I'm going to do that again. That was brutal. But, uh, you know, 
summer two came up pretty quick. It's so funny how learning anything is like that. Like your experience the first time you went out knocking doors, it's the same thing as, you know, you sit down in a college class and the first day you're like, whoa, or, or you go to learn a language or learn an instrument or learn a new sport or whatever. Anything that's worth learning when you first start, I think you kind of have that realization where it's like, oh, dude, maybe this is stupid. Maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe I can't do it. But I think it's really important to everybody that's listening, one, to understand that even Devin, I guess, went through that. But number two, you almost just can't allow yourself to think outside of that day. Because where the despair comes in is when you start thinking, oh man, it's day one. There are 118 more of these. I don't know if I can do it. Instead of thinking like, hey, just plug in, just keep going. I think your dad's advice is, well, it's only four months. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Is probably the best perspective there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Your dad sounds like a good recruiter, man. (laughs) He sells you based on what's the worst case scenario. He gives you the vision. He makes the real clear expectation. And then he gives you a little bit of encouragement and hangs up. That's the deal. There it is. Hey, man, good luck. Bye. Hey, so 200 alarm accounts is hard to do one time let alone 11 or 12 times, but running your numbers, you average 36 installs a quarter, uh, personal installs here in solar as well. You, Adam said it, but ridiculous consistency is your thing. And you're, you're a humble dude and you're nonchalant about it, but I want to understand because that's something that most people, you know, selling solar doesn't take the best salesperson, but it does take a put together person and you're so put together what do you attribute that kind of consistency to? Because that's 15 years of consistency. So if you can articulate it, what is it about you that allows you to mentally process and physically perform in that consistent of a manner? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, man. I think um, especially coming from my first summer of alarms, like dating back to when I first started competing with, you know, the guys in the office, the Jason Browns and, uh, you know, uh, back then it was Josh Bowling and Regan George and a bunch of these guys that I was selling with. Um, I quickly realized that some of these guys could have these monster weeks. I mean, selling 25, 30 alarms in a week. And I'm like, dude, how do you do that? That's crazy. Uh, when I was looking back then thinking, I don't know how to do that. But one thing that I did do is I sold two every day. So I didn't really have like, even then I didn't really have these crazy big weeks, but I always finished with a couple of counts. So I was always trying to not bagel. Like I was like, all right, I'm not going to bagel this summer at all. And if I don't bagel, then I'll have at least a hundred days that I sold one. And then to get to 200, that means I need to have a bunch more two days, three days, four days to fill in the gaps. And, um, if you look at like my alarm summers, like I really didn't have very many big weeks in the competitions. They were more than average, obviously, but, we're working way more hours. I just never finished under 11 accounts. And I did that for, I don't know, 10 years where my worst week was 11 accounts. Now there could have been pulls and whatever at the end of the week, but I finished with 11 accounts every week. Yeah. But the difference between solar and alarms, like, you know, I think anyone that's sold home security or a summer sells season, regardless of the industry understands the intensity with which you work for those four, you know, sometimes five months, but you've been able to carry that same mentality to a year round yeah. program. So what did you have to make a, um, a mental, you know, decision 
to say, hey, I'm taking the same mentality year round? Or have you geared it down a little bit, feeling like this is a marathon? I'm going to, rather than go 110% for four straight months, I'm going to gear it down to 80 and then sustain that 80%. Or is it something that you haven't even actually just kind of consciously thought about? No, I actually have thought about it. I'm glad you asked that because um, I think with solar, it's, it's a real thing because it is year round. Um, I'll, I'll break it down this way because for solar, when I came here, the first thing that I noticed was I, I could do this year round and it, it didn't feel like the summer. Summer, you go, I mean, you guys know, you just go hard, like super, super hard for four months. And when like the end of August comes, I just want to collapse and sleep for a month. Yeah, your body does not work anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's literally tapped, and you push it to the very limit, right? The first thing I noticed when I came into solar is I would finish a working day, and I'd be like, "Dude, I I feel like I didn't work hard today. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, how come I'm not exhausted? Like, there's there's a problem. Maybe I'm actually talk to your wife instead of like just like I can't, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like two or three weeks goes by, and I'm like, dude, I still feel the same way. Like this is, this isn't bad. And I, I'm working full days and they're telling me my numbers are pretty good so far. So I, I guess I'll just keep doing that, you know? And I just kept that level. And at the end of three months where normally I'd be like, dude, when is August going to be here? You know? Um, I didn't feel that way at all at the end of three months. Uh, then I would say within that first year of knocking, I found a rhythm that was a livable rhythm. So not something where I'm just going crazy and I had no life. I had no, uh, you know, didn't see any of my kids soccer games or there's, you know, everyone has a, a life pattern you have to follow. And for me, I, I figured that it's, you know, it's right around here. It's between like 30 to 35 installs. And it's between about uh, now it's between about five to 10 ACs a week. Um, I can do by just working the hours and if I, if I work those hours that I have laid out, I'm not exhausted. It's a good rhythm for me. And it ends up being between like 30 to 35 installs. It's kind of like, like running, right? Like how you get to a point where you train kind of at like a, a pace where you can talk, right? And yeah. Eventually you just realize you can just do it forever. It's not that bad. Correct. Yeah, that's what how it feels. Schedule, what kind of schedule are you? I mean, I, I like and I hate this question sometimes because I, I get asked this question too. And especially when I was selling full time, I'd get asked it all the time. The the difference is our, our very most talented sales reps can do more with less time. Right. Um, I mean, you can go out, you're, you don't have to knock 30 doors to sell a deal. You know, you're probably knocking, you know, three to five doors kind of thing. Um, and then doing all your other management stuff and everything else, but um, not just your, I guess, I guess one, um, how much time do you think you're putting in daily or do you have kind of a set routine that your wife kind of counts on? Cause I know a lot of our married guys, when they first get started, that's one of the challenges is kind of getting into that rhythm. Like you talked about. So yeah. could you maybe just give some advice to some of our newer people or even some of our experienced guys that are struggling with that? Yeah, actually, uh, just like you, you had mentioned, I get asked that quite a bit and I, I would say like, um, you know, obviously my full-time knocking is a little different than what you guys are doing, but I, I don't consider it full-time anymore uh, with the traveling and everything that we're doing. So I, I set aside the allotment of time that I'm going to knock. And um, I feel like one of the biggest problems that even like managers have is they, they don't set that aside. They just, they just take the next day on. And if the next day comes and it's like, 
oh, I got this thing that I have to do. And there's this dentist appointment now, blah, blah, blah. They, their, their window of knocking is just gone for that day. And You're actually scheduling knocking time. I do. I scheduled the knocking time. And I'm like, look, during these hours, I'm going to go knock. You know, if, if something derails that, if Ty called and said, Hey, we got this thing you have to be on. It's like, all right, it is what it is. I'm, I'm going to have to make up that difference elsewhere. But, uh, for me, Monday and Wednesdays are my big knocking days. Tuesday and Friday, we have our correlations and those are my big shadow days. I take guys out from the team. They come knock with me on those days. Hey, and you got to break that record next week. You got to take nine with you. <laughs> yeah, take the whole team dude let's set like a yeah, guinness yeah. record we'll bring the guy out it's with not the even a, not even that big of a deal dude just take eight guys with you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i felt like it was a big deal oh. dude everyone could carry uh, that was a little awkward someone could carry like a fold-up table and you just like set up shop right on the front lawn oh that's so funny yeah, so I'd say scheduling your time, man, and making sure that you just don't let anything ruin that time. And and honestly, I look forward to that time. Like, it's like, here comes those hours. And for me, it's like, these are sacred hours, dude. Like, Wednesday, it's like, don't don't bug me on Wednesday. That's the day I'm going to get stuff done. Like, I have to sell three to five ACs that day because that could be the only AC day I get that week. And so if I want closes, which I'm I'm trying to push for three welcome calls a week, then I need at least three ACs, but if I realistically want to hit it, I need four or five. So anyway, I set all these things up and these goals, but it's Monday, Wednesday are good days. Tuesday and Friday are very minimal knocking. And Saturday, I try to uh, make sure I'm out between about 10 to two. The, uh, the interesting thing that I find with a lot of the high producers that we've interviewed is they all say that, I don't know if you notice this too, Adam, but they always say, you know, I'm not someone that does these monster weeks, but I kind of do my thing every single week. You know, that's that, that's that rhythm. I like that you said livable rhythm, like find your livable rhythm. This is my pace. I can uphold it. And then it's just basically now like keeping yourself accountable to, to going and doing it. You yeah, know? exactly what it is. I think the other thing is your mentality. I don't know if you notice that you do it, but even when you talk about getting into the industry, you talk about getting through the initial slumps of the first years, you talk about finding your rhythm in solar. I think you you, I don't know if this is conscious. I'll actually ask you that if this is a conscious thing, but you, you kind of break it down to the simplest form to yourself, which is what you do when you're selling. But you basically say, okay, I want to close three a week. So I'm going to need at least three and probably five. It's that simple. It's not all these other factors and oh, can I sustain this? And oh, is this really what I want to be? And oh, is this, it's, oh, well, here's the simple math. And I wonder if that's something that you consciously do, or is it something that you feel like comes kind of natural to you? Man, it's been so ingrained now. I, I wonder if it came natural. It, it is for now. Like my mind just thinks that way. It's like, okay, so if I need this, then I need to do this. And these are the two days that I knock. So I can't just go get one uh, or else I won't get, you know, it, it just breaks it down now. But man, I, I wonder if it was like that 15 years ago. Um, well, when we, talked to, when we talked to Jesse Itzler, he was saying, you got to find the passion in the process. And I think a lot of it is that too, where it's like, okay, well, there's no emotion connected to your, your decisions, right? It's, well, this is what I want to do. This I can live with. So I'm going to do it. Like Jocko always says, emotion doesn't get a vote. Negativity doesn't get a vote, right? Pessimism doesn't get a vote. It's just, this is how it is. And I'm just going to go do it. It's a simple way to live, man. It's great. Yeah, it is. I, I think the simpler, the better, man. You just break it down and follow the simple things that produce the results. How many um, kids you got, Devin? Four. Four kids. How are they? How old are they? 
My twins are the oldest and they're 12. They're turning 13 next week. You got to give them the names. Devin's kids have beautiful names. <laughs> they're all Polynesian names. Yeah. So my twins, the oldest are Aleki and Laakea. And then I have an eight-year-old, Taimane. And then we have our youngest. She's three, Messina. Doesn't it make you want to be an ARP? ARP kids hit the genetic lottery. They hit the, I mean, they just hit the name lottery. I mean, everything about it, man. (laughs) You guys are too funny. Another lottery they hit is one time I asked Devin if he'd ever had a sunburn. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, Dev, but he goes, it's like my life's goal to not get burnt by the sun. I think about it constantly. I'm always aware of where the nearest bottle of sunburn is. (laughs) You know, and I said to Devin once, I was like, hey, dude, you ever had like a really bad sunburn? And he's like, no. And he goes, well, wait, yeah, like it's kind of itchy. And I was like, well, it more feels like your back's like had a potato peeler go to it and there's like hot grease in it. That's probably <laughs> a little bit like, it was just like, I was like, look at you, dude. You don't know what it's like to sunburn, man. You don't, you don't, you don't get me. You don't get me. That's so funny, man. I remember when I was, oh yeah, I think I did. I fell asleep on a boat once for hours. And then like, it was that would be an emergency for me. Dude. You'd have to like airlift me to the hospital. Well, it's like when we were in, when we were in Fiji and anytime I needed sunscreen and my wife wasn't nearby, I would just look for Delstra. Yep. I, always, I knew Delstra always had sunscreen on him. So he was lathered, dude. Yep. So you meant you got four kids Obviously, you're married. You're a great dad. And then how many um, sales reps are in your org that you manage? There's 135. You got how many teams? Uh, in our band, there's four teams. And then in, four, in NorCal. Four teams, 135 guys that you're over. You got four kids, family man. I know you're active in your church. and um, And on top of that, you're still managing, uh, you know, involved in a team and you're still putting up franchise type numbers. So my question is at some point, I feel like as our guys become district managers and sometimes even directors in their minds, they start kind of tricking themselves into thinking doing other stuff's more important than personally selling. I've always just been really impressed that every level you've been at, whether it's in solar home security or whatever, you always maintain this crazy high level of intensity with your personal performance. What, what has just been ingrained in you to never compromise on that? Um, I, I think one thing is like people bring it up as like uh, being burned out or whatever they, whatever they call it. Um, I, I just, I don't think that's a thing. I mean, I laugh at these guys that tell me that and they're like 30 years old. They're like, dude, I'm just so burnt out in sales. In my mind, I'm like, dude, you've been knocking for what, you know, 10 years maybe, and you're burnout. Tell that to the 75-year-old greeter at Walmart that's been working his whole life, you know, and is like, quote, unquote, burnt out. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a mindset, dude. People think, you know, oh, I should be doing something else. Like, and that's fine. I mean, there's, there's lots of opportunities out there. But if you pick this as your opportunity and you're going you're gonna to do it, don't tell yourself you're burnout. Like I'm, I'm 37 years old. I'm not burnout. Not even close. Uh, there's, there's a lot of time left and, um, I don't, it, it's just a, a mind. You choose to be burned out. I choose to not be, but this is what I do. And these are the hours I've set aside when, when the alarm goes off and it's like, Hey, it's two o'clock. I'm like, all right, man, see ya. Gotta get going. I do what I do. 
if you make it a decision each day, it's, it's hard. Like if, if, if two o'clock comes, you're like, Oh, do I want to go sell now? That's a tough decision. But my decision's already been made. It's two o'clock. I'm like, all right, peace. Got to go. It, it, there's no decision. It's just, it's what I do. Right. Oh, it's Monday. Oh yeah. That's the day I knock between two and six. So I'm out. See ya. So I don't know. I, I think uh, people make it more difficult on themselves and, and let themselves like go down that slippery slope of thinking, Oh, I'm burnt out. I need a new opportunity. I need something better. And there are a lot of good things out there, but I haven't seen anything better than this. And so if I'm going to do this, I'm going to put down my hours, my livable schedule, and I'm going to do it the best I can. I think uh, it's interesting. I talked to to Jordan. You and Jordan have known each other for years and are, and are pretty close. And uh, I talked to him kind of in preparation for this interview. And I was like, you got to tell me something I don't know about Devin. And he's like, well, I'll tell you something that you do know that I've been really impressed with. And he said, and you just spoke to it. He says, whatever Devin does, he does, and that's it. So he was talking, and maybe you can talk about this, but, uh, you know, I remember when you were doing the keto diet. I don't know if you're still doing it, but you decided, and then you just did that. You know what I mean? Like, he was saying that, he's like, dude, Devin doesn't drink soda, and it's not like he just doesn't do it anymore. And it's kind of the same thing what you just said with knocking, where it's like, I just knock it too. Talk, Talk about that, because that, to me, just represents an extreme level of discipline. I don't know if you would call it that, but it's what it is. Like once the decision's made, it's, it's made and it's done. So maybe talk about that. And if there's other things that I'm missing, but what, how, how are you able to decide once and that's it? Yeah. I mean, I guess I, 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 to answer that question, I don't understand how people have to decide five times. Like, I, I don't understand the opposite of that. Like, I'm like, okay. It sounds so hard, huh? Yeah, it's not that hard. I'm like, wait, I just decided <laughs> the keto diet means you don't eat carbs, you don't eat sugar. You don't eat... So when someone's like, hey, can I have this? I don't say, well, I'll just have one. I'm like, that's not the keto diet. That means you're not doing the keto diet. So what diet are you doing? Low carb? Then call it a low carb diet. That's what you do, <laughs> right? Or, you know, partial whatever diet. I don't know, but a that's not the keto. keto. A keto, a keto inspired diet. Right. Yeah. There you go. We can call it whatever you want now, but it's not keto. Okay. It's not the keto. <laughs> exactly. You're working hard because you're not working hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but that that's the idea. I try to take the like everything, you know. No, I said, hey, I'm not going to drink soda. It's like I just decide I'm not going to do it. Now I don't say like indefinitely, or if there is an indefinite like alcohol, like I just decided one day I'm not going to drink alcohol. That's an indefinite thing. But you know, soda. I was like, look, I'm going to do it, and this year I'm not going to drink soda. Let's see how it goes. And then I found out I don't really crave soda. I don't really care for it. Um, today, like if we're out and about and having dinner with some guys and they're like, Hey, you want some? Yeah, I might, I might do it. You know, it's fine. But when I make the decision to do something, I, I don't see why I need to doubt the decision anymore. It's like, okay, doing this, so let's do it. If you think about things 10 times, then the decision's difficult. It's hard. How often do you see that in new reps? Like the, you, you, one of your roles is to mentor and develop reps. So how often do you see that inability? Dude, all the time. I think it's like one of the toughest things that a rep goes through. And, and I was there, you know, that first day knocking, uh, I was just telling you guys about, I mean, shoot, it's hard to go hours without selling without, and, and you're doubting your confidence, you're doubting your decision, you're doubting like the location, you're doubting the turf, you're doubting your manager, like everything. You just doubt it, Right. Um, I think when you can make that switch of saying, look, I'm here for four months or I'm here to do this or hey, I'm in solar. Now when I moved, it's like, 
I didn't, I didn't sit there and be like, Ooh, geez, this, uh, this isn't the guy. It's like, Nope, I'm going to make this area the best I can. And a lot of people look at it and say, Oh, someone's selling over there. This, the grass is greener. You know, they always think that always. And I think it's, um, it's better to just say, I'm going to make my situation the best I can. Who cares if that is better or it might not even be better. And he's just better than you. Who cares? Just get all that stuff out of your mind. You got to do what's best for you and hit your numbers, hit, hit what is going to impress you. Who cares what other people are impressed with? Or if you broke Dave Madsen's record, who cares about that? Just do what you do for you. Right. And at the end of the year, you know, I haven't been disappointed. You don't look back on the quarter and be like, man, I worked too freaking hard for those 35 installs. No, you're like, dude, look, look what that gave us. That was awesome. Let me do that again. Yeah. It's really interesting how much indecision can paralyze our, our new hires. You know, they, I feel like a lot of our guys get recruited or they get sold on the job. They get sold on the opportunity. They see the opportunity, how much they can make. They'll see guys that are actually doing it. They make the decision to join us. But then it's like that Mike Tyson quote, you know, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. And all of, a, all of a sudden they get punched in the face that first day yep. and they start questioning everything, right? Everything. And um, I even see it with, with guys when they're learning like a door approach, they'll have one door with, you know, say somebody that's, you know, rude to them or whatever. And they just toss the plan out the window. And you're like, guys, like the door approach works. Trust me, Devin Arp has 420 plus installs using this door approach i promise you it works like don't abandon the plan you know so yeah. um, it's funny that you bring that up because when guys shadow me one thing i always tell them is like look you you're not going to get any better from this experience i just want you to know that right now these are the things that you are going to get from the experience when you leave this you're not going to be like oh man now i know how to do it, it you, you won't remember any of that what you will remember is the confidence of that what i'm teaching you to say and do is what i do yeah. When you read a piece of paper that says this is Devin's pitch or this is Jordan's pitch or whatever, you're like, yeah, does he really say this? Because everyone interrupts me and they stop me here and I'm not getting in the door. Come watch me do and say exactly what's on that pitch. And when you leave, you'll leave with confidence saying, okay, that thing works. I'm just going to go do it. Man, I really hope people listen to that because I, I've, I've believed that for a long time. I think people learn how to sell in a classroom and I think they learn how to be on the doors. I think, I think if I were to come watch you sell, I would just, since I've spent time in the classroom, it would reaffirm everything I've learned, but I would draw from that. Oh, Devin doesn't hang his head when he gets rejected. Oh, Devin doesn't hesitate. Oh, Devin stays upbeat. Oh, Devin talks to himself in a positive way. You learn how to be on the doors. You know, I'm so glad you said that. That's actually really well put. Well, and the difference isn't, the difference isn't necessarily our, uh, a new rep's ability to recite the same words that you can do, right? It's how you're saying it. It's the confidence with which you're saying it. It's like Ty said, what you're doing between doors, how, like how fast you're walking between doors. So mm-hmm. how would you describe the way you, you know, when you're out in the field, do you work at a frenetic pace? Are you, um, you know, what's kind of your mentality as you're going from door to door and just what's going through your head? Gotcha. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to add on to what you just said too about what they say. Um, I agree with everything you said, but I also feel like I teach people to say it exactly how I say it. Um, And I say the words do matter only because 
when that objections comes up, when they say, Oh dude, I'm getting this. It's the worst thing for me to say, dude, I never get that. So you're not saying my pitch. What are you saying? Oh, I'm saying this. If they say what I say word for word, they can't come to me and say, I'm getting this. I'm like, no, you're not. Dude, trust me. I, I knock more doors than you do. And I don't ever get that ever. So you're saying something different or you're, you're saying it differently. Let's find out which one it is. Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll sit down and, you know, go through that. So anyway, I just wanted to add on to kind of but what that you said. confidence uh, only comes from somebody that is actually putting in the work daily, right? Where you can actually yeah. somebody and say, no, you're not because I did 40 of these yesterday and I didn't hear it once, you know? Yeah. And I actually love that about my position is I love being in the trenches. So when guys are like, dude, it's, this is so hard and I can't get it this way anymore. Or like this is how the doc sound. I'm like, no, it's not just how you do it. You do it just like this. And it, it comes from, Hey, I just did two of those today. So I promise you, this is how you do it. Right. I, I actually like that about what my position entails. Hey, Dev, I wonder if some of your mentality is, is uh, due to your upbringing. So as I've known you over the years, I've kind of gotten pieces of your upbringing, but you have a really interesting story. It's your life, so I don't know if you see it as interesting, but to me, it's fascinating. Like you have roots in Samoa, you have roots in Singapore, you've lived yeah. all over the world. Maybe talk a little bit about your upbringing and some of the things you've gleaned from being a, a world citizen. Yeah, man, I, I actually, I wonder if a lot of that plays, you know, into it, but, um, well, I, I think, know your dad, like I've met your family and stuff. I've yeah. seen how your dad works and it, it's really interesting for me to hear, but I think that's obviously part of what makes you this, this mindset, at least that you're talking about, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I kind of lived all over the place. Uh, was born in Utah, but you know, I was in Texas and Washington and Florida. And then around high school, um, I went to high school overseas. I lived in Indonesia and uh, I was there for a few years at high school. I went to three different high schools. And then um, my senior year, I graduated from Singapore, like you had mentioned. Um, and I think- I'm always, you know, I always tell Devin I'm worried in Singapore, like I don't want to accidentally break a rule. You know what you I mean? De- you definitely do not. If there's a place, you don't want to break a rule. The ground, which I don't do that, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I don't want to like, you know what I mean? I don't want to spit and be like, whoa, 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 you know? Yeah, for, for real though. That's, that's a true story. That's not a place to do it in, man. What, what took you all over the place? How come you guys moved around so much? Um, so my dad was a field rep for Boeing uh, airplanes. And so he was kind of like stationed and Boeing was going through some crazy times. So he, he volunteered for the, like the field position to like be out and about. And so when they do, it like guarantees that position for three to five years where they send you. So um, anyway, so we did that and he, he took one in Indonesia and I decided I was going to do that as well. Um, I was living with my mom at the time my parents were uh, divorced or separated. So at that time I decided I was going to do that. I went overseas, lived with my dad and um, it was a, uh, it was a real unique experience. Um, I mean, as a kid, you, you don't even take any of that in. Like, I, I don't know, like a fifth of it. I feel like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a new country, but I'm like, these people are the same and everything's fine. But I, as an adult, you would look at that experience totally different. You know what I mean? Um, it's harder for me to, to kind of explain what I mean by that, but I just, I just took everybody's the same, like that person in Indonesia is kind of grew up the same way I did, I guess, but just a little more humbler maybe or whatever, but it's not, man. It's a different government. There are different religions. There's different everything. And, um, it was, it was crazy. Uh, but one thing I, I felt like is, uh, at that time I was flying on the airplane. I did a flight when I was 12 years old. That was 29 hours long all by myself to go see my, my mom and my dad. Like, um, 
I, I feel like it's part of the experience of me being able to like control conversations and talk to people. And, you know, I don't know, there's very few 12 year old kids that would talk to adults and have like, you know, a conversation in the eyes. And I felt like that's something I just had to do at that time, that age. So I think that's one thing I, I definitely took uh, that's helped me in what we do today. Um, because that is, that's obviously part of it, man. You're going to be talking to a lot of different people out there on the doors and you have to be able to hold your own. But the experience was crazy. Then coming back to the States and you know, um, going to school here, I picked up uh, a, a job at Teleperformance, dude. That was like my first sales job doing a, a phone sales gig. Did either of you heard of Teleperformance? A, I, was a phone, I was a phone seller before a door-to-door seller too. And it was funny yeah? because, yeah, I was selling, uh, I was selling like uh, grants for first-time home buyers. And I like didn't even understand the process. I literally like, <laughs> like if I got like kind of an interested guy, someone else would like take the phone. So I, I couldn't answer a question, but yeah, that was my thing. And I was making, I think I was making like nine bucks an hour and I was stoked. It was buying like my snowboarding pass and stuff, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, I actually, a buddy of mine and I applied at Convergis and yeah. Convergis, uh, man. Yeah. Just like that. It's like a, a, you know, a big Utah telemarketing company. And my, we had to take like a typing test and my buddy got the, they, they were just hiring you on the spot. I mean, it was like, you either went, you went in, you got the job or you didn't get the job. And can you, my talk, buddy, can you type? My, You're in. Yeah. My buddy got, yes, heartbeat. My buddy got hired and I did not get hired. Oh, like, brutal. I could get hired at a place that literally anyone could get hired at. <laughs> I didn't know this about you, man. This actually kind of changes things. Yeah, keep in mind, this is on the heels of me getting fired by my sister-in-law from Brugger's Bagels down <laughs> So. <laughs> I actually like you more now than I used yeah, to, man. That's great. I got great. fired by my sister-in-law at Brugger's Bagels, and I was a bagel baker, and then uh, I, I couldn't get a job at Convergence. I was in a bad place, man. That was a bad <laughs> time in my life. So. Oh, the industry give hopes to, to hidden talent like you, man. Yep. Um, Dev, I had a, uh, I, I had another story that I don't think a lot of people know. I actually just remembered this today. So first of all, um, I want to understand how motivated you are by opportunity because when you came into Thousand Oaks, I was living in Thousand Oaks. So we got to see each other all the time. Yeah. And, um, there was kind of a shift in some of the leadership and Devin, well, maybe you tell the story, but you were about to move the family and then you got the phone call that rerouted the moving truck. Yes. That was, was that was one that was one crazy phone call, dude. So tell us about it. Well, uh, first coming to solar, you know, um, it was mid school year. So, you know, we weren't going to like pick everybody up out of school and stuff. So we just decided the family was going to stay there and I would just fly back and forth every week. So I was selling between like Tuesday and Friday and I'd go home Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That was kind of like my, my schedule to maintain life. So I did that for the full quarter, uh, that I was in uh, thousand Oaks. Um, then, um, at the end of that quarter that market around too, by the way, that was a market we were really worried about, uh, just cause we'd had some leaders leave and you had really turned it around. Like the, the production had doubled. The momentum was high. People were seeing like the potential for the first, it was awesome. It, it was really cool. They, they did uh, like 62, 64 installs the quarter before I got there. And that first quarter when I was there, we did 158 installs. So it was, it was fun. 
Uh, really good experience there for sure. I love that market. But I, speaking to the phone call, so it was at the end of that quarter, you called me and said, dude, there's an opportunity up north, but you would need to move. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even moved into this one. Like, I remember feeling like, oh, crap. Ah. And uh, what hit me first was, dude, how am I going to tell my wife this? She's just spent countless hours, like, finding the schools, finding the place to live, you know, for that current market, you know, yeah. dreading that phone call. But um, she took it like a champ. She's, uh, she's amazing, dude. And uh, anyway, we decided, look, if there's an opportunity and if that's where the company needs us, uh, let's do it, man. Let's fill that gap and uh, let's make it happen. So well, we moved up north because Jordan and I were on the phone and we were looking at some things and, and we're like, this could be a potential fit. But, and I remember Jordan's like, okay, I'll call him. I remember it was Jordan that called, but you were home packing. Like you were loading the truck yep. and were like, Hey, instead of driving yep. the thousand Oaks, why don't you go ahead and shoot up to South Bay? <laughs> it was like, you did it. I, I can't believe it. But honestly, most people that have taken a significant growth role, it's required some relocation. Usually that's the case. You have to, you have to do a hard thing, leave what you've been building and go build elsewhere and repeat it over and over again. But man, I really respected that. There are not many people that would have been able to manage on the family side and the professional side and to have success in both places. I think that speaks a lot to, to who you are. Well, thanks, dude. I was definitely nervous about it too, just because, you know, I was just getting into that market feeling. And then it's like a new market, new utility. I'm like, all right, well, if I could sell there, I could probably sell up there. Let's just, let's just do it, man. And uh, I remember getting to that market the very first day. I was just itching to hit the streets because I wanted to be like, not miss a beat. Like, I don't want there to be like any gap. And it was, that was some crazy time for sure, man. Did you notice a drop off or like an adjustment period for you in a new market? Because I think we, the reason I ask is a lot of our guys will move from one market to another and there always seems to be like a, a dating period in the market, you know, where they're like getting to know the market and then, um, yeah. you know, it takes yeah. a minute. So what, what was your production like the first quarter that you, you'd switch markets? Uh, so that first, that first quarter in thousand Oaks, uh, my first quarter, I installed 39 accounts. My second quarter, I installed 44 and that was in the change. So and does so, that answer your question, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> so what about the next quarter? Um, 42. Keep going, dude. Keep going. <laughs> I'm waiting so, for the drop off. 42 is what? Uh, so, uh, there was a drop off. Um, and I remember, and I don't even know if this is. Anyway, I, I remember sitting down with Chance on the on the new role, and he was saying, "Hey, look, um, I, if moving to director, you're doing this minimum. I want you to do 21 install still. This is when very few directors were selling. So, um, so I said, "Hey, are we like more focused on the teams, or should we focus on installs?" And he's like, "Honestly, I feel like you could do both, and I think minimum you should do 21." So I can give you a guess at what I did that first quarter. He told me that. 21. I did 21, man. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll do the 21. And I'll do, see how this goes. And I'll tell you what, uh, that was the last quarter I did 21. I was like, you know what? Like, I can do both of these. Like, I spent plenty of time with teams. I spent plenty of time with stuff. Uh, I feel like, you know, I found that comfortable rhythm I was talk, talking to you guys about. And then from there on out, it's been, you know, 30, 35 plus. That's so You've been important. one of the most prolific solar installers since you started i mean it's really impressive what you've done to come out of the gates and obviously you had that alarm experience behind you so you 
have the confidence that you can knock a door and sell it. But what are the differences you feel like came from, you know, from doing home security? And, and again, to get back to the question I had a few minutes ago, I actually do want to hear kind of what your mindset's like while you're out knocking even today. I mean, you're 37 years old. You've got nothing left to prove to anyone, but yet you still go out daily and go do it. Yeah. Um, so I guess going back to that first question, some of the differences, I feel like home security and, 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 uh, I, I, for one, I know people get asked about like their home security experience and they're like, Oh geez. Oh. And for me, I loved it. I, I love selling home security. Maybe I'm crazy, but I, I could go out and sell more home security right now. Um, but I, I really love solar. And one of the things that I like about it is uh, for me, like the intensity is like with, with, with alarms, I almost have like a pit in my stomach when I'm about to get out of the car every day, you know? And with solar, I feel like it's a livable thing. Like I, I don't get out being like, Oh crap, here we go. <sighs> I got to perform. I already know I'm going to perform. If I get out and knock doors, I'm going to get solar people where I felt like you alarms was different. Do you still have that pit in your stomach before you knock the first? No, I don't like, uh, not with solar. Like I, I have the thing, you know, the feeling of like, okay, here we go. I got to get started. Let's just shut the door and get going. But there was like a serious pit in your stomach where I'm like with alarms where I'm like looking for a bathroom, looking for any excuse to like not get on the door, you know? And you just have to like get over that with solar. I don't feel that at all. It's like, there is no pit. I just go out and I start knocking. And, uh, I know I'm going to get one. I think that's where it comes from is like alarms. Like it is, um, you know, there, there are such things as like difficult turf and you know, whatever for, for me, I, I don't feel that way with solar. Like everyone has a power bill and I can make every person's power bill cheaper. So I'm good. Just set me on the street and I'm going to go get one. And I, I just feel like you can. Um, so anyway, I think that's one big difference. Uh, the other thing for any of the new guys that are listening, um, and Ty, like, like Ty had mentioned, I was in thousand Oaks and I had the pitch and I, and I remember specifically calling him a couple times and being like, yeah, again, I knew how to knock. I knew how to get indoors. I didn't know anything about solar. I don't know. didn't know like a kilowatt and a kilowatt hour. And I, I didn't know anything. I was just following what was written. And, um, I, I just execute that to a T, but I remember doing the math on, on someone's CAD before I got to their home and I was about to go in and close it. And, uh, it was a care customer. I'd never ran across that before. So, um, I called Ty and I'm like, dude, what am I missing? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to save this person money. I'm looking this over this thing. Like what happened? And he goes, Oh dude, that's care. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what's that? And he's like, oh, so he explained what it is. And then he explained to me the pitch. And I just said, Hey, can you, can you say that again? I wrote down everything he was doing. And then I sat in the car for like 15 minutes to where I was like 15 minutes late to the appointment. And I went through it like 10 times and it was like memorized and rehearsed. I get in there and of course it comes up and says it exactly like Ty said, Hey, she's going to say this. She did. She's like, all right, well, how does this work? This is what I paid. Here's my care. How does that work? Boom. I just, recited it, went word for word, trust the process. And that's how I approached everything with this. As soon as I ran into any objection, you hurry and find out how to overcome that. You become a pro at it. And the next time it comes up, you're a pro, you're ready for it. But if you, you know, lollygag for six months, not learning the objections that are in your market, it's going to be a real slow learning curve for you. And I didn't want that. I wanted to come out of the gates slinging. So 
I remember uh, that. Um, like half and I the time, approached every objection. Half the time we'd be having a conversation, you'd be like, hold on. And I could tell you were like fiddling with your recorder. It'd be like, okay, go again. I actually really appreciated that. I said earlier, Evan's one of the best students in the industry. He's one of the best performers, but those two go hand in hand, don't they? It's like when, when they can take something, ask someone else, just speed themselves up. But I remember that in your early days, it was like, it was like a slingshot. Give me this. Okay. And then I'm gone. And then you come back and be like, what about this? And then gone again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Are you a competitive person, Devin? Yeah. I'm pretty competitive, man. Cause word on the street is that you and Nikisha can't play basketball against each other. Cause you got a little bit of love and basketball situation going on. Is that true? That's very true. And I'm, I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm not, I'm not even ashamed to admit this, but she's a better basketball player than me. She's really good, dude. I can see it. I'm I'm okay with it. I'd probably, I'd probably question it if you said she wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) She is fundamentally. She is much better than me. Um, I, I, do have some athleticism. So it, it becomes a competitive game when we play, you know? <laughs> she, played, she played college ball, right? She did. Yep. All four years. She's money. And Nikisha's awesome, man. That's so funny when I heard that. I, I can't remember who told me that, but like Devin and Nikisha can't play basketball against each other. I'd be like, yeah, because I know she's not going to give him an inch. And I know that Devin's competitive. You know, I just love the, I love the idea of putting the kids to bed and then going out to handle stuff on the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's take this out one-on-one. Let's go. That's right. Uh, Dev, who would you say, who would you say some of your mentors are? Who are your mentors specifically in the industry? Who have been people that have helped you get to another level? Um, dude, Jason Brown, for sure. Uh, starting off in the industry, he was a second year rep my first year doing this. And so, um, when I got to alarms, you know, I'm like, dude, that guy's killing it. And, uh, obviously I got to know him and, um, all, extremely, extremely good dude. And so, um, you know, I aspired to like, to be like that guy. And he was that guy in my office. And then when, uh, when pinnacle opportunity fell apart and he was like, dude, I'm running my own show. I'm like, Hey, I'd like to be part of that group. Um, anyway, so I've been part of, uh, Jason Brown's region over at, uh, Inc for 12 years. And, um, you know, almost everything that I, that I know about the door to door game, I learned through Jason. So, uh, that would be huge. Uh, another one would be, uh, Todd Peterson. Um, he, you know, coming back from a bad situation in pinnacle where they didn't pay me what they said they were going to, and don't need to get to the details of that, but, you know, coming back and trusting somebody again to go work for four months and potentially get paid or not get paid. I was, I was, you know, pretty, uh, cautious. And, uh, Todd helped me see it, dude. And, um, when he put that guarantee out there saying, look, dude, I promise you'll get paid what you sell. You know, you won't get paid more. You won't get paid less. If this says this, you'll get paid. And I just remember feeling like, dude, okay, I can trust this guy. Um, and, uh, you know, his, his word's been gold ever since, man. Uh, there's been a lot of times where he's called me and said, Hey man, you do this and I'll hang this little carrot out. And, uh, it's been, been awesome uh, so he's been a, a mentor as well and, and an inspiration uh to keep me going but jay brown and then uh you know when i came to solar you know i had some of those things like uh, you know intact i've been running a region i've been running teams um but again the fast start i attribute that to uh you know jordan and ty 
both the both of you guys have uh, helped me get going in Thousand Oaks. Like I was telling you, I mean, I called you all the time. Hey, people said this. What do I say to that? Hey, man, this lady just told me she had a fifty dollar bill. How do I help her save money? And you helped me look at it at a different like light. And then all I needed to know was you know how to do it. And then I applied it and just kept going. I think I think uh, you know we try to teach guys just dude you get good at these objections. And when they come up, it's a game. It's like, I knock a door and I'm like, go ahead and tell me you have a low bill. See what happens. You know, I'm like, I'm excited for that to come up again, mm-hmm. you know, cause now I know what to do and say. And then, uh, obviously, uh, Jordan, when I moved up, uh, to, uh, the North market, you know, he helped me get into this role that he was, he was currently filling. So, um, anyway, I'd say, uh, from some of the most impactful would be you guys. Well, I, uh, I just even hear you say like that stock, how, how fortunate, right? To have a guy like Jason, to have a guy like Todd. I, I feel like that a lot, like in the industry. I don't know if you feel this way, Adam, but you know, often I feel like we've all benefited from timing other people's work, a little bit of our own work, but it's just like, man, the fact that guys like Todd did what they did, the fact that Jason did what he did, I have my own mentors too. Like when you think of it like that, you realize that first of all, nobody is self-made right? First, we're working yeah. in America, so we can just stop that self-made stuff right now. Yeah. And then it's like the, the fortune of being able to work in an industry where, you know, with people that have figured it out and that are willing to teach, it makes me feel really grateful, man. I, I, I share a lot of those same mentors that, that you do. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I didn't realize you had pinnacle roots. That's where I grew up too. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. Awesome, not awesome. I don't know. It's, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, funny. I, I had a, you know, similar experience, but yeah, I think, um, I attribute a lot of my success to some of the mentors I had there as well. And then, and then, yeah, like you said, it's, it is just, just like Ty said, I think being able to hit your wagon with some really good people makes a lot of the difference. And especially when we get in recruiting situations, we see some of the leaders that, um, you know, have even worked for us in the past that work at other companies and, and some of the other leaders that some of these guys are listening to. And I'm like, man, like you have an opportunity to come work with some of the most talented people, you know, in the country and you you're underestimating how important that is, you know? And, uh, and I think all the guys that you have working for you right now, if you guys are listening, you guys are pretty lucky to have Devin, uh, is the guy that you're hitching your wagon to. So it's been awesome getting to know you a little bit more, man. Hey, I appreciate that guys. Um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, if there's some listeners out there just getting started in, in any door to door game. Um, I just had a quick tip that I wanted to share with you guys before, before maybe we wrap things up. But, um, the one, the one, one of the things that I'd say is when I first heard, uh, burn your ships, uh, I think Satema, um, actually did that in his, uh, I don't know. He had something on there about burning your ships. To me, um, when, when I did that, I, I mean, I didn't know that phrase, but when I came to both alarms and solar, it, you, you can't start anything with like your back foot thinking, all right, if this doesn't work, I'm out, you know, or if this doesn't work, I got this thing in my back pocket. You might as well just do the thing that's in your back pocket, right? Uh, you, can't, you can't start it that way. You have to just go all in. And when I think about it from even my, my phone sales days to, uh, to alarms, I, I went in like with both feet planted, just saying, Hey, look, I'm going to make this work. So anyway, new guys, you got it. You got to just come with the focus to make things work. Second thing is I, I found out quickly and both alarms and solar. I mean, you didn't 
nobody made anything up here. The pitch has been done the way it's been done. You just need to follow suit. You just need to do it. And I think too many people try to change the game. They just try to implement, oh, this would be a really good thing to say. And I think you have, there are a few things that you can put in place, but why do that? When I came here, there's already guys that had installed double what I install in a quarter. I think what he says works, right? And you just need to kind of like copy that, get it in place, plug in the hours, and don't look back, man, just just plug away. And I feel like that from door-to-door alarms, door-to-door solar, door-to-door anything you do, uh, and maybe you can apply that to a lot of stuff, but um, I definitely, my expertise are in the door-to-door. And, and if you can just do those basic two things that maybe are too simple, but I feel like are overlooked, you're going to have success in whatever you do. I think that's great advice, man. I think, so I think good. yeah, I mean, you can always focusing back on the basics. It's never a waste of time to simplify. It's never a waste of time to go back to the basics. So Devin, it's no question why you are where you are. Uh, you're, you're one of the people in direct sales that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you're an easy person to watch have success. And we wish you much more of it, my friend. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.